It just keeps getting better, doesn't it? <laughs> better and better and better. The whole world. Yeah. It was great. Wow. Did you see that little robot from MIT? Yes. Isn't that cute? Mm -hmm. Did you know that that robot doesn't play poker? Oh, I didn't know that. No, they don't. How do it, you know that? They don't let it play poker. Do you know why they don't? Uh oh. Because it's a cheetah. <laughs> no one wants to and play poker with a cheetah. <laughs> okay. So the science fair is coming. And that brings up the thing that uh, David wanted to tell us. Oh, okay. It's mein Hut. Mein, oh, it's a mein Flask. Mein Hut, der habe nicht dagegen. There's no corners on this hat. No. no. <laughs> this is the Acellus beanie, right? Uh-huh. And I think this little thing on top gives you more brains. <laughs> is that right, David? It's a, it's a brain thing. <laughs> can we start over? Let's do a retake. Can, can we edit this? Hmm. How about you do it? You know, when I was growing up, they used to have a dunce cap. It was kind of like this. But uh, there we go, a beanie brainer. Isn't that fun? Beanie so, brainer, um, now they're renamed. David wanted us to let every know, everybody know these are in the store now. Okay, so if you need a brain hat, I do. <laughs> to help you get your science fair project done on time, these are now oh, these are now available. Would you like to put it on there? Okay. Good. Excellent. Isn't that great? That's awesome. Speaking of the science fair, so back in the day when I was working on my science fair project and March was coming to an end and I thought it's almost April, I am almost out of time. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? And of course, I was doing the hydrogen car. And the first and toughest challenge for me was getting an engine to run on hydrogen. Hydrogen is a fuel, not gasoline. Hydrogen, hydrogen's a gas. It's a odorless, colorless, invisible gas. There it is. You look inside, whether it's there or not, you can't tell, because it's invisible. And by the way, if it wasn't there, it's gone. <laughs> Hydrogen go, isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. Carbon dioxide, which is what fizzes and soda pop and dry ice turns into as it evaporates, would stay in the bottle because it's heavier than air. So it kind of stays down in there like water would. But hydrogen, being the lightest gas there is, it's gone. And fortunately, I didn't have any in here, so I didn't lose my hydrogen. <laughs> but... I did want to get an engine running on hydrogen, and the first one that I worked on for three years was a little lawnmower engine. And it, it was really hard to get to run on hydrogen, and the way I'd have to start it, and some of you guys won't remember this, but you had to wind a rope around, so you hook in the rope, you wrap it around, and you pull it, and it wouldn't start, wouldn't start, wouldn't start, wouldn't start. My breakthrough came in my senior year of high school, when I mounted it on a box, the engine, and then I mounted an electric motor and hooked them up with a fan belt, so when I turned on the motor, it'd make the motor just turn. And then I could adjust the hydrogen, and it would backfire, and it would pop, and, and then all of a sudden it started running. And the thing that I learned later on 
was that the reason that this engine didn't run is it was an old engine and it had a buildup of carbon inside the combustion chamber from burning gasoline. Gasoline is a hydrocarbon and when it burns it leaves a little bit of carbon behind and over the years mowing my neighbor's lawn this old lawnmower engine had become crusted with carbon inside and of course you know I was just in high school I didn't think tear it apart and clean it so I tried to run it. Well guess what when carbon gets warm, it ignites hydrogen like a match, even without a flame. Just warm carbon as a catalyst ignites a hydrogen. So as it would turn, I'd pull the rope and the cylinder would go down and pull in hydrogen and air, it would get ignited and But it, it fired before the spark plug and so it wouldn't run. When I made it run with the motor, so it kept running whether it would run or not, the hydrogen would burn and it burned the carbon out. When carbon gets hot, it forms CO2 and goes out the exhaust and pretty soon I cleaned up the cylinder and then it ran. And it was kind of remarkable. But April was coming. I couldn't go to the science fair with a lawnmower because there was no grass there. <laughs> no? And so I had to convert the car and my father had his Model A that he drove to work and one of my big adventures was, can I get this thing running on hydrogen in time? Since I knew how to run, to convert an engine, and since I knew an engine would run, I had great hope, and so we backed this up on the back steps of the chemistry lab at my high school, and if you can look here uh, at this little car, can you see in the back here, there is a hydrogen tank. You look down on it, this is a cylinder full of hydrogen at 2,000 pounds pressure, trying to get enough in there. And still, this whole big tank, which was quite heavy, was less than a gallon of gasoline equivalent of hydrogen. And then I had a little piece of, of rubber tubing that went up to the engine. And one thing that you can't see in my little model here is I had to have a little brother to run the valve in the back <laughs> in case I wanted to accelerate. And there it was. Well, I'd like to show you a picture of my original car back in the day. Yeah, there he is. Is that me? That's you, that handsome guy. There's you. I don't remember being that young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now, the problem with this picture is that um, some people can tell that's a cheerleading sweater. Yeah, they can. Yeah. Were you a cheerleader? You were a cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, that's another story. I got drafted into that. By, by who? I, that's another story. <laughs> we love this, stories. This is Don't we? science we love stories. life. Okay, we love life so we're going to stay on it. But anyway, okay. so this little old Model A became the world's very first hydrogen car. And it, it's kind of fun because all of a sudden, a lot of people are getting excited about hydrogen, and we're seeing more and more hydrogen cars, and this has been such an exciting part of my life to do all of these hydrogen products, pr projects. And products. So made two hydrogen buses, made about 35 hydrogen cars, but I've made them for like automobile companies so that they could test them. And now seven companies are manufacturing hydrogen cars, and I believe in 10 years, you're going to see a lot more of them. They're coming. It's a very good fuel system. And when you burn hydrogen, 
The hydrogen combines with oxygen, gives off flames and power, and creates water. The only pollution from burning hydrogen is water. That's amazing. Except That's for amazing. the nitric oxide that comes from heating air, under my breath. Okay. I'll say that. <laughs> Talk about that later. <laughs> so, isn't that interesting? The science fair was a big deal to me, and I really wanted to have this done in time. And so when we got the car running, there was just a few weeks left. I was building my poster, getting ready to go short of the science fair. And we took a, a piece of glass sampling, uh, glassware, and pulled a sample of the exhaust, took it into the chemistry lab so we could prove there was nothing in that exhaust except pure water. But there was. There couldn't be. When you burn hydrogen, you only get water, but there was something called nitric oxide. To tell the truth, when the professor of chemistry that was helping me test the exhaust, and I found the nitric oxide on his gas chromatograph, which was the instrument that samples and tells you what kind of gas you have, I had never heard of nitric oxide in my life. Nitric oxide. And I said, it can't be. All there was was hydrogen and air. And he said, well, air is made of oxygen and nitrogen. And when you heat it up above about 2,400 degrees, they combine in small quantities, and it forms this pollution mm -hmm. gas called nitric oxide. All you have to do is heat air, and you get it. And I said, well, every car heats air. They should all get it. And I had a lot of nitric oxide. I had about 10 times more nitric oxide than this Model A when it was running on gasoline, which was really disappointing. And as I was able to learn more about the science as I grew older, I realized it's because the hydrogen burns so fast that the peak temperature went higher, and the hotter you heat air, the more nitric oxide you produce. Mm. And so it was a real problem. Now, can you imagine how difficult it was to go to the science fair and say, pollution-free automobile, burn hydrogen, the only byproduct is water vapor, except for the nitric oxide. <laughs> and I had people that came to the science fair and said, do you mean so it makes pollution? When the project was chosen to go to the International Science Fair, which that year was held in Dallas, Texas, we had a lot of very impressive judges that came through. And one came through that I remember especially well. And he said, so your pollution-free car isn't pollution-free, is it? And I said, no, actually, it makes a lot of nitric oxide. And he says, well, I commend you for your honesty. Your project is a dud. He didn't say that, but that was the implication. But, but you know, thank you for being honest. Uh, that is so much about science. So much about science is about honesty. And you know, I'm, I, I want to tell you something about... <laughs> but uh, before I do... I'd like to talk a little bit about a scientific breakthrough in communication.
Okay. A lot of us scientists would like to, you know, be really popular and have a lot of friends. And some of us scientists don't have so many friends. Hmm. And um, a lot of people don't have as many friends they'd like. And there's some science you can apply to this that I think would be really beneficial today. Did you know that there are some magic ways, scientifically magic ways, that you can talk to people to make them be your friends? Tell us more. <laughs> I don't think she believed me. No, I but, do, I do but there really you. are. And, and I'm going to give you a little key tonight because this not only will help you at the science fair talking to judges and talking to friends and making friends, mm. and science fair is a great place to make science friends, and you can live your science lives together, <laughs> but <clears throat> people really like it when you talk to them honestly. People like to be told the truth. No one likes to be fibbed to. People like to be spoken to with respect. People like to be listened to some of the times, too. If we could just learn just those simple things, it is amazing how many more friends we'd have in our lives. You say, well, wait a minute. You mean all I got to do to have friends stop being mean to everybody? Yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> You're asking too much. <laughs> Coming back. Did you want to add something there? No, okay. I was thinking that it's I not. I missed the cue there, didn't I? <laughs> no. It's not always mean, necessarily, because it's people. It's not mean? Well, if people aren't listening to you, sometimes they get excited and they cut in and they finish your sentences and things like that, which is a type of mean, but. A type of mean? It's kind of yeah. rude. It's true. You know, listen to this person. <laughs> she knows what she's talking about. I do. And to prove it, I have come prepared to prove it. Because we are getting ready to have a countdown on a launch. And it's going to be the launch of the brand new Knock Your Socks Off Social <laughs> Emotional Course. Social for short. And you invented that word, didn't you? I did a I hydrogen did. car. She did social. I did. One word. <laughs> mm -hmm. She has more people doing her thing than I'm doing my cars. I know what. But it's really good. Uh, actually, I am so excited about this course because uh, it's at a new level. Uh, our filming studios that are making filming our courses here at uh, the International Academy of Science that makes a sales course are getting much, 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 much better. We have the best cameras, the best editing equipment, and most important, the best editing people. That's true. Right, Raven? Yep, <laughs> we've got them. And as a result of that, the classes are getting better and better and better. And to prove that, scientifically, I would like to show you the first lesson of the new social emotional course. But of course, I can't do that without her permission. <laughs> You've got my permission. Do I? And unless there's a course, and there's not a course. Right. So if we could do a real quick little scientific countdown, you know, like we're going into space or something, 
then we could launch the course. And what that means is as of right now, if you are a cello student, which you better be, and like if you're homeschooling or, or if you're in even one of the public schools, you can say, hey, I want the new social, social and emotional course. What's the correct name? Social. 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 Education. Social. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. It is. Yes, it is. <laughs> we are I am not interrupting. We're communicating. <laughs> I was talking. She interrupted. No, I just, it's working out well, isn't it? Okay, so let's do it. So 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Don't rush it. 5. Really? 4, 3. 2. We're really doing this? One, this thing's going to be live. You're going to be able to sign up for this course tomorrow. It's going to be the most amazing course. Zero, launch. Wow. There it goes, there it goes. Is it live? Is it live? Is it live? Oh, it's up. Oh, dear. There you go. Oh, dear. Now that it's up, just so you can decide, you know, I don't know if I'm ready for this. It's probably pretty intense. Would you like to see the first lesson? Would you like to see how good the filming's getting? Would you like to see how amazing the teaching is? Oh, thank you. Well, we're going to find out. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not judging yet. Would you like to? And, and by the way, just so you know, in our studios now, we have the very same kind of cameras and editing equipment they're used to make the professional motion pictures. So it's getting better and better, and I'm so excited. Yeah. Thank you. Would you like to see it? All right, let's count down from three. Three to one. <laughs> Social. Hi. I want to take you on a journey through this course, through this social course. And what you see, if you look, is I am on a runway. And the place that you are going to be right now is right there in the cockpit of your airplane and you are getting ready to take off. And once you take off going through this course, you have to finish it. And that is so much like life. Once you get going, once you start going, you can't just say, oops, and I, you don't want to stop because all of a sudden you'll land on the ground. Once you're flying, you have to land. And the way you land has to be well. And that means that you have to land a safe landing. That means when you get out of your airplane, you have hit the ground in a very good manner. You have landed the plane securely. And going through life um, is a lot like that. We have so many things that happen to us. And when you're up there in that sky and you have turbulence, that's when that wind starts going in. It throws that airplane around. And you're in there, and you can feel the turbulence going. You're still in control. You still have control. You're still in your airplane. And though you can feel the emotions, and though you can feel the opposition, though you can feel the wind just throwing you around, it's going to get better. And how you adjust to it, how you move with it, how you stay focused, how you compensate for what's happening is so much like flying an airplane. So I want you to decide, okay, this is this is one of those courses. This is that course that 
I'm going to take on with the goal at the end of it to arrive on the other side better, to understand your emotions better, to understand life better, to understand how to interact better, to understand how to have a certain kind of empathy for people around you. And there's going to be a lot of things that we talk about. And I wish that you could take them to heart and take them as um, tools in your arsenal of taking on your life and impacting those around you in a um, much better, higher elevated, looking at life up there instead of being down on the ground in the grunge and seeing life for what it really is and really, really enjoying it. I want you to enjoy your life. I want you to take off with me with this course, like you're going in an airplane, and I want you to feel that speed, and then I want you to all of a sudden feel that weightlessness for a minute of the ground not beneath you. And then I want you to start seeing the sky, and I want you to start being aware of it. So yes, it's, it's going to be one of the challenging ones. It's going to be one that um, is going to make you look at yourself, to literally stop and um, reflect on yourself and reflect on your attitudes and then to decide how you're going to be. So, here we go. Now I understand why it turned out so good. There's a lot of... It's, it's our solutional interaction. Mm -hmm. That's what did it. I've learned a lot from you. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I, I think it. it's very wonderful. So if you need some social in your life, mm, there do. it is. It's ready for you. And you need to get in it and, and learn, learn, learn. It's a wonderful course. She's put a lot of effort into it. And now she's working on the new one for middle school. Yes. So anyway, really enjoy that. I, I think it would be really special. You know, uh, I am really concerned about the future. Did we ever tell them why we are so concerned about the future? I don't think we did. Let's tell them. Okay. Okay. You want to go ahead? It's a wee thing. <laughs> it's a wee thing. <laughs> well, I'm not going to interrupt her I'm while she's listen. telling you. <laughs> I'm going to hear you. <laughs> the reason mm -hmm. I'm so concerned about the future is because that's where I'm planning to spend the rest of my life. <laughs> yep. And We're you know, that's something to think about. Yeah. We are making our future. And you think, well, yeah, but there, I'm just one person in a big world. What difference can I make? Yeah. And to that I have to say, when everybody's driving a hydrogen car, <laughs> There will be a lot of people that contributed to it. There's a lot of people working on hydrogen cars. I eventually was able to get rid of all the nitric oxide from my engine. And it's fascinating. When you burn hydrogen, you get water. And out of a lot of things I tried to get rid of the nitric oxide pollutant, the one thing that finally worked was water. So when you burn hydrogen, you make water, and the water comes out the tailpipe of the car. Mm -hmm. And so what I did is I captured some of the water coming out, 
and sprayed it back in the engine as little droplets with the hydrogen. And those little droplets were inside there when the fire went zooming through the combustion chamber. It was really hot and it hit one of these little drops of water and the little drop would flash into steam. And when it did, it cooled the flame way down. It cooled it down so much that it got rid of, it went from a thousand parts per million to one part per million of nitric oxide. It essentially eliminated it completely. And what's more, those little drops of water that were absorbing the heat, slowing the flame down, they flash into steam, and then made pressure and pushed the piston down. We actually got a little more mileage out of a tank of fuel just by spraying the water into the engine. So at the science fair, it seems so discouraging. My pollution-free car is a real polluter. <laughs> but a few years later, we were able to find a solution. And by the way, guess how I found out the water in the combustion chamber would make the pollution go away? Huh. I tried everything, that would have been very time consuming and expensive. So what I did is I tried it in simulation inside a computer. The calculations for how to burn fuels in an engine and what the outcome would be, what the exhaust would be, was built into a computer model. The one I used was actually developed by, and Josh was gonna like this, the Naval Training Center by the United States Navy. I got that program, put on the computer, and then I started trying all kinds of things to get rid of the pollution. And when I tried putting the water back in, according to the computer, the pollution just disappeared. Oh. So right at that time, there was a big contest announced between all the universities in America. They called it the clean air race. It was to see who could make the cleanest car. I thought, here's my <laughs> chance. I had put the water droplets in the engine and pulled an exhaust sample. I took it back over to the same chemistry professors, Dr. Angus Blackham, and tested it on the same gas chromatograph and it couldn't detect any nitric oxide. But then the good professor explained to me, but you'd have to have a ton for this instrument to detect it because it's not very sensitive. Oh. <laughs> well, I didn't have as much as I used to. That was good, but I didn't know how low it was. So we took a car to the clean air race at the General Motors Proving Ground in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Mm -hmm. And they had instruments that were so sensitive, they could smell the pollution just in fresh air. Mm -hmm. And so they started testing all these cars from all these different universities. And finally our turn came, and it wasn't the Model A, by now it was a little Volkswagen that we converted to hydrogen, and we took it into a thing called a dynamometer. The dynamometer is two big metal rollers that you drive onto and your tire sits on the rollers. And then as you drive, these two rollers turn and you don't move around. But they can load up those rollers so that your car has to do a lot of work like it's really driving. And they were doing a test cycle that happened to be the EPA 4 cycle. It's a standardized test cycle of starting, stopping, driving. So, Well, they ran that and they collected the pollution. And then they gave a score. Well. Our car was so clean that they said that the air coming out 
was cleaner than the air going in. Because just regular air has some pollution around our cities, carbon monoxide, some hydrocarbons, and we were burning those up as they went through the engine. Hence, the car that cleans the air as it drives. That's pretty neat. That's neat. Well, that was really exciting for me. Can you imagine how exciting it is today to see more and more and more people driving my dream? Mm -hmm. Just think about it. What, what does that feel like? And this was my little science fair project. And I thought, you know, if I can do this, it's going to change the world. Now, I should have stopped and thought, oh, wait a minute. I'm just one person. How could I ever change the world? Well, I had some good help. Thomas Edison made his light bulb and a lot of other things and learned some great ideas on how to engineer. And he taught Bill Lear. Bill Lear made his airplane, which we now have a Learjet, which we're going to be putting up here at the school. And I have my little hydrogen project. A science fair is an opportunity to motivate students to apply their creativity and their abilities to solving problems, to making discoveries, to seeing a solution to a problem or finding a way to do something in science that's never been done before. A lot of students have honed their skills just doing science fair. It is so exciting when the engine finally runs. <laughs> I mean, three years. No wonder I was discouraged. Yeah, that's a long time. And I gave up so many times. Every time I did work, I gave up. <laughs> but the next day, I was ready to go again. When those dreams start coming true, well, then amazing things happen. Now, we heard about this little cheetah robot mm -hmm. that learned how to walk faster by using artificial intelligence. That's where it tries things and it gets feedback and it makes it work better and better and better. Did you know that's exactly what we're doing with Acellus? In Acellus, we teach lessons to millions of students and then we watch and see how they do. And the computer collects the data, not with your name, but it collects the data about where you had problems. And then the computer compiles these reports for our wonderful team. They come in and say, oh, goodness, we've got a problem right here in this new course. As soon as you start using our social course tomorrow or later tonight or whenever, <laughs> the computer will collect data. And we'll find out anywhere that we have a problem with the course, and we'll go in and fix it. And then we study the learning process, and that is... I think the real key secret to why so many students that are really struggling in school suddenly do better when they get a cellus because we have been able to make a science of studying how people learn these different subjects. And a cellus gets better every year, in fact, every day. We put updates up every day. And uh, Tobias, do we know how many Acellus lessons we have now? Videos? We're at about 103,000 videos. 103,000 videos. 103,000 videos. And if you watch more, you're going to be so smart. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really exciting that, that this thing is happening. And uh, I, I'm just thrilled when a student 
or a parent of a student reports to me that they were kind of struggling in math or struggling in, in whatever their subject was, the hard one for me was English. Oh. <laughs> English. English. Make up your mind. Is it I after E or not? <laughs> I mean, make up your mind. I think we should revise English, don't you think so? I think we should have at least 10 ways to spell every word. Wow. Because <laughs> I can think of a lot of good ways to spell. And I remember writing a, a report for my teacher, my English teacher, and giving it to her, and she graded it, and she circled with a big red pen every word that she didn't know how to spell the way I do. <laughs> wow. It was really sad. And so then I got her that book from the library by Mark Twain, how he feels sorry for anybody that only knows one way to spell a word. <laughs> yeah, look at him. But uh, English is illogical. They can't decide how they're going to do it. Is it I after E before C or after? I mean, come yeah. on. But it's very important to be able to communicate effectively, to be able to speak, to be able to write, so that you can tell people about your project, so that you can even get people interested enough maybe to provide funding or to support your project. So English was very important. At a very early age, I decided I'm not going to learn English. It's, scientists don't need English. We do. <laughs> It was disappointing, but we do. In fact, I can tell you how bad I was. I shouldn't, but when I went to high school, I took German in the ninth grade, and I took speech, which, you know, speech and drama. But at my high school, you could take speech and drama, or you could be on the stage crew. Stage crew, you know, open the curtains and run the microphones and the spotlight. I did that for three years. Those are all English credits. So with one year of German, three years of speech, I didn't have to take English in high school. And I was charging along in the 12th grade, and one day my principal called me in, and he said, you cannot graduate from this school unless you take English. And that was just about the worst news I could get. <laughs> if they just decide how they're going to do it, you know. So many of the rules. They just. So I had a wonderful English teacher. I came in the middle of the year, and she was trying to catch me up. And uh, I was having a hard time getting my heart into it. Science fair was coming up. And so we worked out a deal. I will write a report in English about my science fair project. And that was the smartest move I ever made because I was really in English all of a sudden. And that report had to go into the science contest. It was actually the Westinghouse science contest. And uh, I submitted my report to my teacher and she got a big circle around every word I misspelled she underlined all my grammar mistakes. She marked up that whole paper. And for the first time, I was really happy because I fixed all those things and I sent it into the science fair. Thank you. <laughs> and You're I spelled smart. all the words right. But uh, 
learning, acquiring knowledge, is acquiring the power. Just like in the hydrogen engine, it's hydrogen that ignites and gives off energy, gives power for the car to drive. And that's what education is in our lives. I think that this new course by Dr. Monet gives students power to be able to tackle the challenges and problems in life. It's amazing how many students she hears from very, very often about how they're struggling and she takes that very serious and then how they have been able to find the courage, the strength, the self-confidence, the self-discipline to keep going. It's wonderful what she's doing. It's wonderful every time you acquire even a speck of knowledge. And if it happens to be science knowledge mm -hmm. or the language of science, which is math, even better. Now, English is good, too. It I is. have discovered it that. Is. All right, so study hard, enjoy social, and we'll see you next time. Bye.